This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Have the voices in your head ever told you you're not good enough, that you need to try harder, or that everything's fine when it's not? If this sounds familiar, keep listening to find out more about Jem Fadling's new book, Hold That Thought, and by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Your word is truth, your word is life. Presented by Innervar City Press. Your word is truth, your word is life. A daily audio Bible podcast read by Dr. Christina Edmondson. And Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes, that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 24 through 31. Hezekiah's shortcomings and accomplishments. In those days, Hezekiah was stricken with a terminal illness. He prayed to the Lord, who answered him and gave him a sign, confirming that he will be healed. But Hezekiah was ungrateful. He had a proud attitude, provoking God to be angry at him, as well as Judah and Jerusalem. But then Hezekiah and the residents of Jerusalem humbled themselves and abandoned their pride, and the Lord was not angry with them for the rest of Hezekiah's reign. Hezekiah was very wealthy and greatly respected. He made storehouses for his silver, gold, precious stones, spices, shields, and all his other valuable possessions. He made storerooms for the harvest of grain, wine, and olive oil, and stalls for all his various kinds of livestock and his flocks. He built royal cities and owned a large number of sheep and cattle, for God gave him a huge amount of possessions. Hezekiah dammed up the source of the waters of the upper Gihon and directed them down to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah succeeded in all that he did. So when the envoys arrived from the Babylonian officials to visit him and inquire about the sign that occurred in the land, God left him alone to test him in order to know his true motives. 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 12-19 through 19. Messengers from Babylon visit Hezekiah. At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent messengers with letters and a gift to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah was ill. Hezekiah welcomed them and showed them his whole storehouse with its silver, gold, spices, and high-quality olive oil, as well as his armory and everything in his treasuries. Hezekiah showed them everything in his palace and in his whole kingdom. Isaiah the prophet visited King Hezekiah and asked him, What did these men say? Where do they come from? Hezekiah replied, They come from the distant land of Babylon. Isaiah asked, What have they seen in your palace? Hezekiah replied, They have seen everything in my palace. I showed them everything in my treasuries. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to the Lord's message. Look, 
A time is coming when everything in your palace and the things your ancestors have accumulated to this day will be carried away to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own descendants whom you father will be taken away and will be made eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The Lord's message which you have announced is appropriate. Then he added, At least there will be peace and stability during my lifetime. Isaiah chapter 38 through Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 38, beginning at verse 1. The Lord hears Hezekiah's prayer. In those days, Hezekiah was stricken with a terminal illness. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, visited him and told him, This is what the Lord says. Give instructions to your household, for you are about to die. You will not get well. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Please, Lord, remember how I served you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and how I have carried out your will. Then Hezekiah wept bitterly. The Lord's message came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look, I will add 15 years to your life. I will also rescue you and the city from the king of Assyria. I will shield the city. Isaiah replied, this is your sign from the Lord, confirming that the Lord will do what he has said. Look, I will make the shadow go back 10 steps on the stairs of Ahaz. And then the shadow went back 10 steps. Hezekiah's Song of Thanks This is the prayer of King Hezekiah of Judah when he was sick and then recovered from his illness. I thought, in the middle of my life, I must walk through the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the rest of my years. I thought, I will no longer see the Lord in the land of the living. I will no longer look on humankind with the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling place is removed and taken away from me. As a shepherd's tent, I rolled up my life like a weaver rolls cloth. For the loom, he cuts me off. You turn day into night and end my life. I cry out until morning. Like a lion, he shatters all my bones. You turn day into night and end my life. Like a swallow or a thrush, I chirp. I coo like a dove. My eyes grow tired from looking up to the sky. Oh Lord, I am oppressed. Help me. What can I say? He has decreed and acted. I will walk slowly all my years because I am overcome with grief. Oh Lord, your decrees can give men life. May years of life be restored to me. Restore my health and preserve my life. Look. The grief I experienced was for my benefit. You delivered me from the pit of oblivion, for you removed all my sins from your sight. Indeed, Sheol does not give you thanks. Death does not praise you. Those who descend into the pit do not anticipate your faithfulness. The living person, the living person, he gives you thanks as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. The Lord is about to deliver me, and we will celebrate with music for the rest of our lives in the Lord's temple. Isaiah ordered, let them take a fig cake and apply it to the ulcerated sore and he will get well. Hezekiah said, what is the confirming sign that I will go up to the Lord's temple? Isaiah chapter 39, beginning at verse 1. Messengers from Babylon visit Hezekiah. At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a gift to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been ill and had recovered. Hezekiah welcomed them and showed them his storehouse with its silver, gold, spices, and high-quality olive oil, as well as his whole armory and everything in his treasuries. Hezekiah showed them everything in his palace and in his whole kingdom. Isaiah the prophet visited King Hezekiah and asked him, What did these men say? Where do they come from? Hezekiah replied, They come from the distant land of Babylon. Isaiah asked, What have they seen in your palace? Hezekiah replied, They have seen everything in my palace. I showed them everything in my treasuries. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to the message of the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Look, a time is coming when everything in your palace and the things your ancestors have accumulated to this day will be carried away to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your very own descendants, whom you father, will be taken away and will be made eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the Lord's message that you have announced is appropriate. Then he thought, for there will be peace and stability during my lifetime. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. The Lord returns to Jerusalem. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and tell her that her time of warfare is over, that her punishment is completed. For the Lord has made her pay double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, clear a way for the Lord. Build a level road through the rift valley for our God. Every valley must be elevated and every mountain and hill leveled. The rough terrain will become a level plain. The rugged landscape, a wide valley. The splendor of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it at the same time. For the Lord has decreed it. A voice says, cry out. Another asks, what should I cry out? The first voice responds, all people are like grass and all their promises are like the flowers in the field. The grass dries up, the flowers wither. When the wind sent by the Lord blows on them, surely humanity is like grass. The grass dries up, the flowers wither, but the decree of our God is forever reliable. Go up on a high mountain, O herald Zion. Shout out loudly, O herald Jerusalem. Shout, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Look, the sovereign Lord comes as a victorious warrior. His military power establishes his rule. Look, his reward is with him. His prize goes before him. Like a shepherd, he tends his flock. He gathers up the lambs with his arm. He carries them close to his heart. He leads the ewes along. The Lord is incomparable. Who has measured out the waters in the hollow of his hand, or carefully measured the sky, or carefully weighed the soil of the earth, or weighed the mountains in a balance, or the hills on scales? Who comprehends the mind of the Lord, or gives him instruction as his counselor? From whom does he receive directions? Who teaches him the correct way to do things or imparts knowledge to him or instructs him in skillful design? Look, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He lifts the coastlands as if they're dust. Not even Lebanon could supply enough firewood for a sacrifice. Its animals would not provide enough burnt offering. All the nations are insignificant before him. They are regarded as absolutely nothing. To whom can you compare God? To what image can you liken him? A craftsman casts an idol. A metalsmith overlays it with gold and forges silver chains for it. To make a contribution, one selects wood that will not rot. He then seeks a skilled craftsman to make an idol that will not fall over. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you since the very beginning? Have you not understood from the time the earth's foundations were made? He is the one who sits on the earth's horizon. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers before him. He is the one who stretches out the sky like a thin curtain and spreads it out like a pitched tent. He is the one who reduces rulers to nothing. He makes the earth leaders insignificant. Indeed, they are barely planted. Yes, they are barely sown. Yes, they barely take root in the earth. And then he blows on them, causing them to dry up. And the wind carries them away like straw. To whom can you compare me? Whom do I resemble? Says the Holy One. Look up at the sky. Who created all these heavenly lights? He is the one who leads out their ranks. He calls them all by name. Because of his absolute power and awesome strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? The Lord is not aware of what is happening to me. My God is not concerned with my vindication. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
The Lord is an eternal God, the creator of the whole earth. He does not get tired or weary. There is no limit to his wisdom. He gives strength to those who are tired. To the ones who lack power, he gives renewed energy. Even youths get tired and weary. Even strong young men clumsily stumble. But those who wait for the Lord's help find renewed strength. They rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They run without growing weary. They walk without getting tired. New Testament reading, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 4, the resurrection. Now after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly there was a severe earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were shaken and became like dead men because they were so afraid of him. John chapter 20 Verses 1 through 10. The Resurrection. Now very early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved away from the entrance. So she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out to go to the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down and saw the strips of linen cloth lying there but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who had been following him, arrived and went right into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been around Jesus' head, not lying with the strips of linen cloth, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, came in, and he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. So the disciples went back to their homes. Luke chapter 24, verse 12. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. He bent down and saw only the strips of linen cloth. Then he went home wondering what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Sovereign Lord, I thank you for your word. I often say this, that the Bible just doesn't hide sin. Oh, Lord, it does not hide the sin of the patriarchs and the matriarchs. I'm struck in this reading in the Old Testament about Hezekiah being stricken with a terminal illness and about ready, ready to die. And how, and in several of the readings, it talks about how, and particularly in the first one, how in Second Chronicles about Hezekiah's own pride, how uh, you sent word confirming that you would heal him. And yet there was a pride, there was this entitlement that Hezekiah was bound to, oh God, and that it wasn't until he humbled himself and prayed and, and your anger was kindled against him, oh God. But when he prayed and humbled himself, oh God, you're, you turned away your anger for them and from Israel, Lord. I just thank you so much for your mercy and your grace, oh Lord. There are so many times that we feel entitled, especially if we've been walking with you for some time, oh God. And, and if we are considered leaders in the faith, there can be this pride in this entitlement, lack of gratitude toward you as if you owe us only good things, as if you owe us really anything, oh God. So I ask you, oh God, that you would help us, oh God, search our hearts, help us and cultivate by the power of the Holy Spirit, cultivate within us a lifestyle, a spirit, a posture of gratitude and humility. Help us to learn how to count our blessings and name them one by one. 
You woke us up this morning. You started us on our way. We have breath in our body, oh God. We are children of God. We can come boldly to your throne of grace asking for what we need and we know that you hear us. And I thank you, oh God, that even in this these Old Testament passages, we see how Hezekiah came to you, petitioned you in prayer, asking for you to heal him. And you answered and you gave him a sign to confirm the healing that he would receive. Thank you, oh God, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, oh God, that you are a God of hearing and seeing, that you hear us when we pray. So would you help us not to be discouraged or dismayed, oh God? Isaiah 40 lifts up, oh God, and it reminds us, oh God, that you are the sovereign Lord. You weighed out the soil of the earth. You know the expanse of the sky. You know everything. You created this world by the power of your word. So help us to know, oh God, that you are both transcendent, sovereign, and imminent, meaning that you are nearby, you are close, you are concerned with every detail of our life, oh God. Sometimes we can get caught up in bigness, <laughs> oh God, and we can feel like, oh, you don't see, you don't care, oh God, but we know that's a lie from the pit of hell. You do see, you do care. And you are ordering our footsteps, oh God, and you're fighting on our behalf, even when it doesn't feel like it. So would you help those, oh God, who are feeling weary and well-doing and feeling like they've been praying about the same thing or that they've been waiting for you and they're just tired. I pray that you would indeed renew their strength, that you would indeed give them, oh Lord God, the perseverance, oh Lord, and to continue to trust in you and to wait on you, oh God, for the answer to their prayers, oh God, that they have been praying, oh Lord, and giving over to you. Would you fill them? Would you breathe on them once again, oh Lord God? Give them encouragement and hope to continue to run on, oh God. I know that that dissipation, oh Lord God, must have been Mary Magdalene, oh God, and felt initially when she saw, oh God, that Jesus wasn't there initially. Like, where did they put my Lord? Where did they put my Lord? Thank you, oh God, that things are not always how they appear in the kingdom, oh Lord. What looks like bad news turns out to be good news because you are the God of the breakthrough. You are the God that turns things around in our favor, oh Lord God. You are the one that brings life out of death. Thank you that Jesus got up out the grave and that because he rose from the grave, we now have resurrection life, oh God, and we have hope for tomorrow. We have a living hope in Jesus Christ. Help us, oh God, to continually look to you. Look up, oh God, knowing, oh God, that you are in control of our lives, oh God, and you desire good things. Continue to order our footsteps in your word. I pray this all in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Competing voices in our heads often push us to act in ways that are both unhelpful and unsustainable. How do we quiet these narratives? More importantly, amid the chatter, how do we hear the voice of God? Jem Fadling helps us identify these competing voices and shows us how they hinder our personal transformation in her new book, Hold That Thought. Drawing on years of spiritual direction, she shares her wisdom of how we make sense of inner voices and settle down enough to find our true voice. When we find it, we can let go of the striving and people-pleasing and rest in the presence of God. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word. That's promo code, T-H-E-W-O-R-D at IVPress.com.
We pray this time of getting the word with Truth's Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag Truth's Table. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee.